Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech. And uh, today we have the great opportunity to chat with Arch Rao, who is the uh, founder and uh, CEO of SPAN. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Arch. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Yeah, so I will be transparent here that um, we are investors in SPAN, but I will try to you know, still give you the skewering that I give everybody else and uh, be an equal opportunity host here. But, but Arch... I, I ask everybody because I think people are quite fascinated about how you know founders wake up one day and decide that they need to go and start their own thing. So how is it that you got to founding, Ben? Uh, this isn't my first time founding a company. I've I've done it the wrong way before. Um, I think the the impetus for starting Span has been um, a long career in the energy sector, looking at new forms of energy technologies ranging from power generation at the grid scale, energy efficiency and metering, and then um, everything from distributed solar to energy storage to electric vehicle charging. The genesis for SPAN is, is realizing that there's a clear opportunity for us to make it easier and less expensive to deploy distributed solar and storage and electric vehicle charging and all things electrification in a home. Got it. Okay, well then let's maybe dig in a little bit more on, on your background here because I think you, you've got a much more interesting background than, than you're letting on. <laughs> so what, what were you doing right, right before this, for example? Before I started Span, I was uh, leading the product team at Tesla for the uh, energy business. So that was uh, all things starting with commercial energy storage or battery systems that got deployed in California, supported through the um, self-generation incentive program. But this was at a time when Tesla was uh, starting to talk more about not just batteries and vehicles, but also the importance of stationary storage as you think about its role in, in solving the intermittency issues with solar and the continued proliferation of renewable energy. I was fortunate to be early on that team and I, I got to see uh, the evolution of home batteries, um, the evolution of commercial industrial batteries, but also the evolution of large grid scale batteries. Uh, as part of that organization. Um, I was also uh, part of the, the leadership team there that got to commercialize this uh, across different geographies. So outside of the US, we built operations in EMEA and APAC. And, uh, and when, we, when Tesla acquired SolarCity, um, I got to work on some very interesting products like the solar roof product, which, which gave me further insight into the complexities uh, and, and the uncertainties around cost of installing these technologies in, in customer homes. Yep. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. Was it your team that did the massive Australia, Australian battery? There was a fairly large team that was involved in the Australia battery project. Uh, my team was mostly involved in the, the analytics of it, uh, designing and sizing the system part of it, and of course, the market economics piece of it. Uh, there was a large crew that obviously engineered the product. There was another large crew that did the EPC part of it, and then a software team that did the virtual power plant or grid participation part of it. Yeah, fa fascinating stuff. Okay, let's let's fast forward to sort of today. 
what is is that problem um, that inspired you where you said, okay, I'm going to give up my awesome job at this fascinating <laughs> company called Tesla working for you know, a luminary and instead I'm going to go and do my own thing. There, there must have been a burning problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, I think, you know, most most folks probably listening to your podcast here are already convinced that uh, decarbonization is perhaps one of the most generationally important thing, thing for us all to be working on. And if you think about uh, pathways to decarbonization, it's often overlooked that there's a lot that we can do as individuals and consumers. Uh, and that starts with everyday decisions that we make, like the cars that we drive, how we heat our spaces in our homes, how we heat our water, how we cook. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, quantitative analysis in the recent past that that shows that uh, we contribute to around you know, 42% of greenhouse gas emissions with, uh, with with all of these activities that we do every day. So yep. a meaningful pathway to bucking the curve on carbon emissions is in fact going all electric. That's that's driven by this premise that even if you put solar on every rooftop, it doesn't change the fact that you're powering your cooktops and water heaters and and space heaters with natural gas. So those have to electrify. And that's only possible if you think about fundamental improvements to infrastructure, starting with the key piece of infrastructure in every home, which is the distribution panel, the electrical panel in your home. That's what we're doing. Yep. And I, I think electric panels sound, you know, no offense, they sound super boring. And they're just kind of this thing that's in someone's house. And most people don't think about them until they trip. But um, what I was fascinated by here was just the size of the market for these things, right? Like the size of the divisions at Schneider and ABB. So maybe just give us a feel for what the size of this, quote unquote, you know, boring, sleepy market actually is. Well, I mean, let's start with the the well-known fact that literally every home, or for that matter, every building in the world by design has to have an electrical panel a power distribution panel, if you will. Uh, the fact that it's unsexy is is unfortunate. I think we're trying to make it a bit more glamorous. But not just that, we're actually trying to make it a lot more than what it's been the last 100 years, which is an analog safety device, right? It's been a, um, a oft-forgotten piece of hardware in your home or your building that protects you in the event of an overcurrent event or and protects you in case there's a potentially unsafe uh, electrical um, system fault. But we think because of where the panel sits, i.e. it's the interface between the power coming in from the grid and all of the devices in your home. It's the interface between generation, rooftop solar, for example, uh, your battery systems in the form of storage, and all of your loads, increasingly electric loads, like electric vehicle charging, induction cooktops, heat pumps, etc. So if you look at it just from an electrical panel standpoint, you're talking about you know over 100 million homes in the US, um, many, of, many of whom will have to see panel upgrades or panel replacements as they adopt more electrical systems. But as you think about electrification overall, you're talking about a massive opportunity, not just for panels, but other products we're building as well, like our EV charging product that we announced late last year. Yep, absolutely. Got it. So I think, so I just looked this up quickly. The Schneider's division that sells uh, breaker panels does about $10 billion in revenue per year, which is silly, right? <laughs> that's that's kind, of, kind of nuts, right? But I think to, to the other point that, uh, that you're making, as we electrify more of the houses, the, the statistic here is a little bit boggling that people don't realize how much energy is in natural gas, right? So their cooktop, how much that is using, their furnace, how much that is using. If you are actually going to electrify those things, you know, put an induction cooker in, put a heat pump in, the estimates are, oh, and then obviously the gasoline that was going into your car is getting replaced by electricity now in your EV. The total mm -hmm. amount of electricity going through the average house is going to 4x, like quadruple uh, over the next 20-ish years as, as mm -hmm. this happens. 
right? Which uh, to, to your earlier point, that means that all of those electric panels have to be upgraded because right now they just can't take that. They, you, you can imagine them designed for 20% more, not you know, 400%. That's right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's, a bit of, there's obviously a lot of nuance here, but we talked about the why span exists. And before we talk perhaps about how we solve this problem, the what of it is precisely what you're describing. As we continue to move towards more consumer electric appliances, as we create solutions that help us further decarbonize through electrification of our everyday lives, it becomes evident that the electrical panel is actually going to be a bottleneck to this to this transition. And sort of the second order effect, if you will, is that the power coming into your home in the form of the service entrance rating is also another bottleneck that people don't often think about. So in terms of specific numbers, right, the average home in the U.S., very likely has incoming service of around 100 amps. That's sort of the, the median, if you will, right? Most homes, many homes have 60 amps and few homes have 200 amps of service coming in. If you were to take an, a, a model home and upgrade it to being all electric, which is, let's not even consider solar on the rooftop. Let's just say you have an electric vehicle charger, potentially two in the future, because most American homes have two cars. Uh, yep. you, you take away all the gas appliances, replace them with electric. You're already approaching that 200 amp li limit far above the 100 amp median uh, that serves most homes. So what our panel is designed to do is allow you to go on the journey of electrification, i.e. continue to adopt uh, the best in class products and solutions for your home, without having to incur the significant cost of having to upgrade the infrastructure serving every single home. Okay, so what you just said there sounds like you're breaking the laws of physics, right? <laughs> like I've got 200 amps of draw and somehow using this magical span panel, I can get 200 amps of draw over a 100 amp service line coming into my house. What wizardry is this? <laughs> How does this work? What are you actually doing? It's not. It's not wizardry. It's uh, I'd say well-designed control systems, right? The 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 hundred amp limit is the instantaneous current or instantaneous power that you're going to draw. Uh, in some cases, you're going to push if you have, say, uh, a generating system like a solar system on your roof or a battery system in your home that exports. Uh, but in in most situations, the home is not actually concurrently running multiple appliances. It's very unlikely that your electric vehicle charger is uh, cranking up at its maximum power at the same time that your uh, induction cooktop is on, at the same time that your pool pump is on, at the same time that your air conditioning system is on. So there's only a small period of time over the course of a year, let's say, that you might be approaching the physical limit where you're approaching the laws of physics, right? And then we have all the measurement and controls capabilities built within our panel to orchestrate that elegantly, which is, let's say, turn down the charge rate, modify the set point of your air conditioning system, change the uh, heating limit of your water heater, if you will, which then allows you to operate sort of tied through this seamlessly without in any way impacting the convenience of a household. Yeah. So essentially, you're balancing across all of the different the different circuits because you have sitting at the panel level, right? You have effectively that guard view across the whole house, which no other piece of equipment in the house actually has, right? Your electric charger can't understand what your cooktop is doing, but the panel can see both of those things and therefore balance across that. And that's exactly it. I think we're in a very architecturally, we're in a very unique place in a home. And that we're not end appliance specific. We're not just the charger. We're not just the battery inverter. We're not just the thermostat. We are the device that all of your appliances have to be powered through. And by sitting where we sit, we get this, like you said, sort of a whole home view or a holistic view of what's happening in your home. And we've embedded controls both in the panel itself 
And then with a very capable computer and communication system built into the panel, we're able to then monitor and uh, change the, the behavior of downstream devices. And I think therein lies sort of the, the core differentiation, right? You can think about it as an electrical panel, but it's a whole lot more than that. It's a measurement device. It's a control device. It's a grid disconnect. It's a revenue grade meter. And then there's more that we're building into the panel over time as well. Perhaps a little early to disclose that now. Yep. But uh, okay, so I think you've you've described this one use case which is hey, my I turned on my dryer and my uh cooktop therefore automatically pull down the speed of the charging on my EV so I don't uh you know trip and and I'm out of power. But I think there's also some other interesting things you can do by just having the panel be programmable as opposed to a set of analog mm -hmm. hardwired switches, right? Like say in a power That's outage correct. with my battery. So so what are some of these other interesting things you can do when your panel is is sort of fluid. Yeah, that's a great question. So when we think about use cases or value propositions that our immediate customers or channel partners uh, are, get excited about, it's, um, you know, as we continue to experience more outages across the country and globally, there's an increased adoption of battery storage. But unfortunately, even the best-in-class storage systems today are not able to provide dynamically controllable backup. What I mean by that is you either have to get a massive amount of storage to back up your entire home and not be worried about it in the event that the grid power goes down, or you're forced to then assign a few circuits in your home as being essential loads, which are then physically relocated into a different sub-panel, critical loads panel, if you will. That is a very 19th century view of looking at resiliency. What we've designed into our panel is what we would consider the best home backup experience. You can now have a SPAN app paired with a SPAN panel in your home that allows you to essentially in real time change what part of your home is powered during an outage. And it gives you real-time feedback in terms of the hours and minutes of backup you're going to get with the settings you have now, and then be able to change that. We think that's really powerful. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners have probably actually gone through this process of getting solar, solar and a battery on their house. But it is completely archaic because essentially what they say to you is, this battery cannot run your entire house. Therefore, you need to choose today what you think you want to get powered in any power outage for the next 20 years. And we're going to take those things and hardwire them into a separate panel, right? And on the flip side, what a span panel allows you to do is just basically dynamically change that as you feel fit. So maybe it's yeah. like today in this power outage, it's on during dinner time. So I'm going to run, you know, my TV and my cooktop. But in a different power outage, maybe it's the middle of the day, I want to run my pool pump, right? That's right. Yeah, the incumbent experience right now is un unimaginably poor customer experience. And I think that in, in my mind was the lowest hanging fruit for us to address. And, and we did that with the first generation product that we brought to market. And we're continuing to build more features and capabilities into the product, right? With the unprecedented amount of visibility and control we have into every, every home that we're installed in, we're using that data now to build very capable software solutions for the home. Think, you know, in, internally we call this sort of the check engine light project, right? So much like your car has this uh, ominous light that goes off when something might be off with the car, we think we can do something like that, albeit a lot better. We're able to now tell you, hey, Greg, you might have a refrigerator compressor that's, that's about to fail because of what we're seeing. And we don't have to go through any complex disaggregation to figure out that's happening. Your kitchen circuit, or for that matter, your refrigerator is actually on a dedicated circuit that we're already monitoring at really high frequencies. So we think that ability to improve the quality of your life with the data is really powerful. Another interesting uh, use case that, that we're bringing to market with the, the Span Drive, which is our home EV charging product, is, is you know, it's a similar sort of problem that customers experience when you get an EV for the first time. First of all, 80% of charging 
charging of electric vehicles happens in the home. But most customers that install a charger in their home end up getting uh, or sacrificing the maximum charge rate that the car can pull. So most cars today are designed to accept level two charging, which is 48 amps. But because of how your panel load calculation is done, you often end up with a derated charging experience in your home. When paired with our panel, our charger is able to say, look, today you actually, right now, you actually have more than 30 amps of available capacity in your bus bar as accurately measured by the span panel. So we're going to allow you to charge at 42 amps or 43 amps as the case may be, or go all the way up to 48 amps if that amount of power is available, again, without having to compromise on anything uh, in your home from a use case standpoint. Yeah, I, I actually have a fun, funny example of this. So I've I've got a an EV, of course, and whenever I plug my Tesla into charge, the lights on my garage just like start crazily flickering, right? <laughs> just because it's pulling so much power, and someone messed up at some point on you know the the balancing of the the switches and everything inside that panel. But you can mm-hmm. think of this on a, on a big a bigger level across a, a whole house. Now it just turns out that my garage is on an entirely different circuit from everything else. So that's it's, right. It's not impacting my house, but I'm I'm just lucky in that regard. But it it just seems like this is this the panel is a quiet, sleepy device that's in every single person's home that no one ever thinks about and therefore mm-hmm. don't realize the potential power that's sitting there, uh, no pun intended there, um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, of this panel, that what you can do with it if you put a little bit of intelligence into it. That's exactly right. And the, the I think the beauty of it is we are also a device that is persistent. We literally are embedded in your walls. And that allows us to be there as part of your home energy journey or home electrification journey, if you will, for decades, right? That kind of persistent data data monitoring and persistent controls is, is, is not possible with any solution, any other solution that we know of that's in the marketplace today. I think this is pretty clearly uh, sort of an obvious solution for someone who's getting, say, putting that heat pump in, the EV charger, you know, uh, solar batteries, those sorts of things. But you know, today, what are the what are the sort of trigger marks that make it uh, flip over from oh, this is a nice sort of like luxury thing to have mm-hmm. to no, actually, this is critical. What what are most of your customers? What pushes them over the edge and say no, we actually do do really need to have a span panel? Yeah, I'll start with some useful data. You know about. Um... Uh, 20% of solar installations today trigger panel replacements or panel upgrades just because uh, your existing electrical panel doesn't support that. About a third of all electric vehicle charging installations also trigger panel upgrades. And then uh, north of uh, 60% of storage installations trigger panel upgrades. So just by design, companies that are offering consumers, homeowners, these types of solutions are increasingly embedding span into the offering, both because it reduces this complex back and forth to the customer, like the storage experience of asking what subset of your home do you want backed up when the customer really has no idea what these circuits feed, right? Yep. Uh, and then going far beyond that to the functional experience, right? Just the the, the pure functionality uh, through the app, the visibility, the real-time controls, uh, and the platform experience that we're able to provide makes it a very easy product for our, our channel partners, our solar installers, our storage installers, or EV OEMs to provide. But interestingly, we're also seeing a significant amount of uh, pull for our product from consumers directly. So a lot of consumers that are either environmentally conscious and want to understand how they're consuming power and or, or, and or building new homes or upgrading their homes are seeing that this is an asset that is, again, a relatively low cost, 
compared to the cost of their remodel or cost of the home build, if you will, especially yeah. in consideration of the fact that you're building an asset for 30 years, right? Uh, and we, we are, we're finding that increasingly as our price point comes down, we're already in the second generation of our product, we're seeing a very strong engagement directly with consumers and homeowners that want to understand uh, how their home is powered, how their life is powered, and then we're now in a place where we can make recommendations to them on how they could upgrade that, that, that lifestyle to a more electric lifestyle. Yep. Well, I actually have a fun fact uh, today from a meeting I had earlier on, which is we're, we're investors in this company called Sealed that does financing of home energy retrofits, right? So mm-hmm. they're installing a lot of heat pumps. And uh, their stat is that 80% of the heat pump installs they do require a panel upgrade to the extent mm-hmm. where now they just spec in a panel upgrade uh, you know, as standard because it's just so normal that you need it. That's right. And the folks that are often avoiding a panel upgrade are really just kicking the can down the road because you could avoid a panel upgrade by, let's say, undersizing your heat pump or your solar system. But there's going to be that next marginal device you add to your home that's going to trigger a panel upgrade. So a savvy homeowner or a a really customer-focused systems provider or solution provider is going to preempt that and say, hey, you should probably get a panel upgrade now. And better yet, you should get a smart panel upgrade now so that when you want to make that next purchase, your home is already electrically ready for that. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so smart panels that can balance across all of the loads, avoid service upgrades into into the home. Uh, we actually didn't even touch on the fact that someone like PG&E, the utility, would love to not have to upgrade everybody's service into That's the right. home. So potentially billions of dollars saved on the utility side here. But but clearly a very interesting solution that you folks have built. So um, where can people go to find out more and uh, see more importantly the the super sexy fo- uh, photos of probably the sexiest uh, electric panel that's ever been invented? Yeah, visit our website at Span. Io, you're you're able to put your information in if you're a homeowner, and we'll get back to you uh, about uh, getting a product over and installed. Or you could connect with one of our many channel partners, a growing cohort of solar and uh, storage system providers. Like we've recently announced a partnership with Sunron. There are also a number of regionally dominant uh, solar providers, like Good Faith Energy in Texas and WSUN in Hawaii. Uh, but yeah, please reach out to us. We're happy to connect with you directly. We'll connect you with one of our channel partners to get a system installed over in your home. Fantastic. No, thanks very much for uh, coming and chatting, Arch. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.